The opinions expressed in the Brothers on Law Show are for informational purposes only and are not a substitute for personal professional legal advice. Thanks for tuning in to Brothers on Law on Go Country 105. I'm Larry Mandel. And I'm Rob Mandel. And we've been trial attorneys here in Los Angeles for over 40 years. On our show, we will discuss current events, talk about legal issues, and have some very entertaining guests stop by. So stay tuned every week for Brothers on Law right here on Go Country 105. Hi, I'm Larry Mandel. I'm Rob Mandel. And we're Brothers on Law. Hey, Rob, I want to welcome the audience today and also another shout out to Debbie of Mortgage Mom. Right, yo. Hey, know, I want to hey, remember when something, Rob. I want to hear <laughs> this. Remember when. So, Larry, I'll tell you what. Do you remember when we were kids? I want to say I was about eight or eight to ten years old, and we had a fellow painting our house. And uh, he was a nice enough fellow, but this painting job, I mean, it wasn't the biggest house in the, in the neighborhood. And this painting job was taking a very, very long time. Do you remember that? Yeah, way too long. And, and my, some of my friends were like complaining, you know, telling me, you know, you, you know what do you, why is this guy always at your house? And why is he taking all summer to paint, you know, the house and blah, blah, blah. And so I remember I went up to my dad and I said, hey, uh, dad you know this guy is he's always here it's embarrassing us and you know he's taking forever to paint the house and why is he still here blah 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 and my dad looked at me and he said you know i'm going to tell you something mr blank is an alcoholic and no one else is going to hire him and i'm going to give him a job that's so about our dad i know i know and and he says, so you know, I don't care if he takes all summer to paint the house. Well, that's you know? the kind of compassion we need for people. Yeah, yeah. You know, that that are that have a drug problem, alcohol problem. Right. And that kind of is a segue to because we want to welcome our very special guest today, Jeff Robbins. And Jeff Robbins is an attorney, he's the co founder of Better Life Recovery, a comprehensive drug and alcohol addiction rehabilitation and detox center in Orange County. So, Jeff, welcome. Uh, thank you so much for welcome having me. Welcome to the us. show, Jeff. So, tell us about this uh, A Better Life Recovery program. A Better Life Recovery is a full service behavioral health facility that has two subdivisions, one which specializes in substance abuse, addiction treatment. The other uh, treats a population whose primary diagnosis is mental illness. We are approximately a 100-bed facility down in South Orange County, wow. and we provide the full spectrum of behavioral health treatment to a, a wide population. That, wow. sadly, is, is bigger than most people. Yeah, that bigger is. than 150 beds, right? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. How, how do people find out about your facility? Well. The treatment industry is very interesting to me. Coming from a, a corporate litigation background, it's entirely different. Um, they passed what's called the Federal Mental Health Parity Act about 10 years ago, and that changed substance abuse treatment from a largely unregulated cash-based business to a traditional medical practice type facility where your primary payers are insurers. Huh. So there's been a lot of fallout over those 10 years as the industry has transformed into what I'd say is a more professional level of services. 
Whereas in previous years, you had a lot of what I'd call mom and pop providers on a very small scale. So we've been fortunate in that our my partner is a board certified psychiatrist and we've been able to tap into some very good professionals and have built our name up through the hospitals and other healthcare facilities that run into this population on a daily basis and they call us and that's wow. typically how we get our clients that's pretty cool you know I now had what a, i wanted wait, oh, wait go ahead rob you want to let me go ahead yeah that's that's all oh, that's younger brother uh, courtesy there that's like, big brother like courtesy that. yeah well what I, I i'm just curious how you know uh I, you know the, the, a steel uh a veined lawyer you know corporate litigator be, yeah. gets into something this empathetic and 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 useful more useful than yeah. most of us lawyers you know in the community so the, how, did, how did this come about well it wasn't planned uh, I went through my own issues about seven or eight years ago and sought treatment and recognized the need for a higher quality level of care than I was seeing available and mm -hmm. I ran into some tremendous people who have become my business partners. Okay. And I found what I was doing in this arena was far more rewarding personally than what I used to do, which was a lot of public works construction litigation. Right, right. Which is great, and I really enjoyed it, but it did not bring me the sense of... Uh, Fulfillment. I really get to see people change, and some of our most important employees are people who have come up through our program. And it's unlike anything I've ever done before in, I mean, our name is A Better Life Recovery and our goal is to try to help people build a better life. That's uh, really I can really feel doing. that. You know, I, back in the day, I handled defensive drunk drivers. You know, this was when I first started out and I had one client, I'll just say his first name was Mike and he must've had three or four drunk drivers and, and for some reason I was able to get them off but that was, you know, so you weren't you know, helping him necessarily. No, I was not. Exactly You're helping him stay out of jail. Right, but, right, yeah. right. But the story as it evolves, he finally got help. And now he's a, you know, a working uh, uh, citizen of society doing something positive for himself. He uh -huh. works in the uh, entertainment industry. And oh, I, I run into him and he calls me occasionally. And it's so rewarding that he shifted from that devastating, you know, kind of cycle, uh, cycle, yeah, to being productive. So, Jeff, uh, what does the facility do? I mean, in other words, how, someone comes to you uh, through the, one of the channels that you were describing before, and they're having these addiction problems. Um, what what do you guys do? What is the normal process to help someone get that better life? Our typical demographic on the substance abuse side is an 18 to 26-year-old male opioid addict. Oh, okay. So they are typically cleared medically before they come to our facility. They go through detox. They then come to us where we do an assessment, um, a clinical assessment, not in my area of expertise, but we have people who sit down with them. And then they are put into our program, which has multiple levels of care that start at a higher level of intensity and taper off over time. Our belief is that we can get much better outcomes if we are able to keep people involved in a level of treatment as long as possible. I see. And one of the things we're working on really hard right now is, is how do you measure success in that 
field because it's inherently subjective. It's not an x-ray of a broken bone. It's right. a long process. And so we're working to develop the, you know, collect the relevant data so that we can demonstrate through the peer review process that the success rates we re- we're getting are far above the industry norms. I see. Is there a certain amount of time that you have to be, it's an in-house facility, right? Well, there is a medical office facility in San Juan Capistrano, and then there are houses in, licensed houses in residential areas surrounding the facility. So the, the basic plan would be for individuals to, they reside in a residential neighborhood, they are transported to our facility for treatment during the day. At the end of the day, they return to those residential neighborhoods. And that's part of, we have what we call an, a reintegration model. So that as opposed to going off to an isolated place to deal with treatment for 30 whatever number of days, we try to integrate them right back into the community as early as possible through things like job training programs. We have a fully credentialed school teacher who works at our facility that can help people get back onto their educational tracks. There's a wide spectrum of clients. They range from people who have dropped out of high school to people who are a few units short of graduating from a very good university to professionals. It is it's skewed younger right now. The opioid crisis yeah. is hitting the younger population. And is, yeah. are some of these people have been injured? Because we have clients that have been injured and then they're taking drugs to, you know, mask their pain. And so is that how, how the cycle starts with some of these people? That's certainly one of the primary ways that we see people get exposed and addicted to opioids are through surgical procedures where they are prescribed inherently addictive drugs and and for some people that works and for others it doesn't we're larry and rob mandel the brothers-in-law here on go country 105 do you have a legal issue you need help with we want to hear from you find us on instagram and send us a message then tune in on saturdays at 8 a.m right here on go country 105 so when they're at the facility, what kind of services are they getting? Are they getting mostly counseling and classes or you know something something else? Individual therapy, group therapy, meetings with an individual counselor, discharge planning. So they have, I mean, our theory is that they not only have a plan when they get out, they've already accomplished maybe steps one, two, and three of it. So it's not some unreachable ethereal thing that sounds great but is never really completed right so our theory is that if we can show them some limited success in small increments at the very beginning that keeps them involved but it's inherently a therapy-based program and what are some of the bigger hurdles in giving treatment to these patients some of them come from horrific family background where i mean i could tell you lots of stories about people whose first exposure to opioids came through their parents, believe it or not. As kids? As children, yeah. I see. Um, So there's all kinds of collateral issues that typically lead to someone becoming addicted to opioids. There's there's typically underlying trauma. We see a lot of that. That's not exclusively true, but that is, is typical. That's a tough one because... I can see, you know, you couldn't keep a person like that indefinitely, right? Well, we so don't some treat point. the children. 
So no, you we, we're seeing them years later. Right. There are facilities that specialize in the treatment of adolescents, but okay. that that is not our area of expertise. But still, that's quite a, uh, you know, the carrying around that kind of trauma and, you know, having that on your back as you're trying to beat, you know, an addiction. That must be, that must be quite a challenge. It's an especially challenging time for young men, I think, because... The expectations they place on themselves are very high right. in terms of they think they should be able to get out of high school or college and buy a house and raise a family and support all of those things. Yeah. And in a it's place tough. like South Orange County or Los tough Angeles, nowadays, that's, yeah. that's a big bite. That's a to big one. Have you suffered or been injured by someone else's negligence? When you need a legal team that will stand up for what is right, won't give up the fight and obtain justice, call 818-886-6600. Mandel Trial Lawyers specializes in personal injury cases of all types. Whether it's a car accident, product or premises liability, dog bite, or a catastrophic injury, Mandel Trial Lawyers are there for you when the fight is worth it. Call now for your free consultation, 818-886-6600. Let the scales of justice tip in your favor. So, Jeff, is this voluntarily go into the program, or is there court-ordered provisions, too? Everyone is there voluntarily. I see. Many people come to us with legal issues hanging over their head. Nobody comes to us because everything's going great. Sure. They, they come to us because they have problems, and it is commonplace for our clients to have criminal issues hanging over their head that led to their arrival. We work closely with the Orange County DA's office and the probation department. So we have really good relationships with those entities. So when they know that they're the people they're trying to deal with are in our facility, my experience has been that they'd rather have that individual in our facility than in jail. Right. That's and right. when you report back to what, if they're on probation or whatever, if they say that they've been in your facility and they make, they're working towards a goal, you know, being sober, et cetera, that's good for their case, right? Well, is it like a diversion, right? Almost like a diversion program in a sense? Kind of. It certainly looks better as a defendant when you stand up in front of the court and are able to demonstrate that you're taking concrete steps toward resolving the issue that led to you being in the court in the first place. And are these Orange County residents strictly, or are you getting people from all over the, uh, the, the Southern California? All over Southern California and California by and large. Um, it's probably about 80%. Okay. I'd guess about 20% of our population comes from out of state. Oh, wow. The, the rehabilitation industry really started in Orange County in Florida, and that's why uh, it, it's come with problems and there have been i spend a lot of my time dealing with state and local officials to make certain that we are the ones doing things the way they're supposed to be done i see well that's important and your legal background i'm sure kind of helps coordinate with that right it's entirely different but yes um i mean i deal with everything from typical human resources issues to interfacing with law enforcement to lobbying in Sacramento because there's a lot of regulatory changes going on right now. So it's it's a big spectrum of, of things. Wow, you got quite a, a... I mean, that's quite a lot. Is that a lot, lot on your shoulders right now, it sounds like. We, we're responsible for a lot of people, not yeah. just clients, but the people who work for us, and we take it very seriously. And, and, and uh, maybe you mentioned this before, but I mean, are most of these people... 
coming to you on some kind of um, private pay or or is you know insurance or some other methodology of of paying for the services that you provide we are an out-of-network provider, so typically most of our clients come in with PPO health insurance policies. Okay. We do get a lot of people who pay with cash, especially on the mental illness side, because the families are typically more involved with the mentally ill, whereas sometimes they are at the end of their ropes with the substance abuse population. I see. So if there's a more sympathetic view toward mental illness, is yeah. in my experience. Um, but we also routinely scholarship, I would guess, 20% of our clients at any one time are there okay. entirely free. That's nice. Because we try to give back as well. Stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and of course, brothersonlaw.com. There's a bill you were talking about, legislature. And there's a bill making its way through the Senate. It's called the Integrated Youth Mental Health Program. Do you know anything about that bill? Yes, I'm familiar with that. Uh, what is that all about? The state is attempting to establish a series of what I'd call way stations for early phase intervention for mentally ill youths ranging from age 16 to 25. And the state would be establishing a particular set of criteria for these facilities and then funding local communities and counties who would actually implement those facilities. Do people attend school and work during that pro during your program? As the program decreases in intensity, yes. At the very initial phase, when they first come into the office, this is all they're doing. I mean, yeah. That's all they can that's handle. What, yeah. yeah. As they taper off into lower levels of care over time, down to, say, an outpatient level of care, where they're maybe coming into our facility two or three times a week for an hour for counseling, they're able to return to their jobs and go to school and all of the other things that involve sort of rebuilding their lives. Do we have some success stories that you can tell us about? Anything that comes to mind? Yes. I can't use names for privacy reasons, sure, but course. one of our most important employees came to us as a college graduate who had become hopelessly addicted to opioids. And he came through our program and currently is one of our most critical employees, interfaces with the clients every single day. We can't give him enough responsibility because everything we try to give him, he does perfectly. And wow. it is amazing is to watch. That's a great story. Yeah. I love hearing that kind of thing. Yeah, me too. One of the things you talked about uh, very early on was your own experience with addiction. And, and you know, us in the legal community, we, we're well aware of the, the, that it can be, unfortunately, kind of prevalent in our profession. I, I imagine because of all the stress that we're constantly under and to the point where the bar actually requires us to take as part of our continuing legal education classes in substance abuse and uh, um, recovery education to some extent. And so, you know, what, what, can you tell us a little, little bit more about your own experience that, that, you know, uh, led you to rise to the level of, you know, actually running such a, a fantastic program? Um, what I would say is that it was a gradual thing. It was not like I was wallowing in addiction for my entire career. 
um, it was only toward the end. And I was not, I didn't lose my job. I didn't become homeless, but my life was an absolute mess. And I was really unhappy at work in the sense that I didn't feel fulfilled. And so it was ultimately for me, alcohol became more important than the most important things in my life, which yeah. is a horrific thing to say. Sure, and, and people can mask that very easily, you know, so you don't really know, you know, and well, you and can with, hide it. With attorneys in particular, there's a there's a lot of pride. There's right. a there's a huge element of I don't need anyone else's help. And so for me personally, when I sought help and I spoke with my partners about what I was going through, that was it for me. I didn't know it at the time, but the act of just sort of stripping down my ego and coming clean and admitting I needed help and taking care of it was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. That, that must be the hardest thing, uh, maybe not the hardest thing, but certainly one of the hardest things for people having this issue is admitting that they have it. Absolutely. And confronting it. And admitting it to yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, we all have some kind of addiction. I mean, and, you know, on a lower level, I'm addicted to, like, coffee or something. But when it gets to this higher level, to come forward like that, to me, as a hero. And to then transform it into this business that you did. Uh, I, it's, I, I'm highly, you know, impressed, and, and, I, and I respect you for that. Taking a lemon into lemonade, that's yeah. for sure, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> for sure. We're Larry and Rob Mandel, the brothers-in-law, here on Go Country 105. Do you have a legal issue you need help with? We want to hear from you. Find us on Instagram and send us a message. Then tune in on Saturdays at 8 a.m. right here on Go Country 105. How prevalent is... I don't know if you know any statistics or whatnot, but, you know, I keep hearing about opiate crisis. I keep hearing about, um, you know, the other kinds of addiction. So if we took all the, the alcohol and substance abuse that's out there right now, how prevalent is it in our society? It's a difficult thing to answer because there are lots of people who are able to drink alcohol and not be alcoholics. That's true. There are others who will never admit to themselves that they're having a problem. Having gone through what I have gone through, I notice it a lot more yeah. just because I'm paying, you know, it's my life and I pay attention to it. It's, so, it's a substantial number of people. Yeah. I, I it would hesitate to put a number on it. Right. But it's certainly much higher than you would suppose. And there are areas of the country where it's at epidemic levels that, everyone could not fail to see no one could fail to see it what, like where are we talking about the rust belt um kentucky uh west virginia ohio i mean it's everywhere and how are they getting what are they buying it on the street or are they getting prescriptions my experience has been that people will begin with pills because they somehow get access to them whether it's through their parents or they had a surgery like you were mentioning Somehow they start there. Yeah. Those pills become much more difficult and expensive to acquire as they become addicted. Right. And heroin's a cheap substitute. I see. And heroin's everywhere. Heroin and is cheap. If yeah. you know what you're looking for, you can get any drug you can think of delivered to your house in 30 minutes. That's crazy. That's crazy. So, Rob, we're going to maybe transition to tip for the day. Do we, do we want to have... Uh, Jeff, tell us where we can contact him. Yeah, please. How, how do they find... How do they... Get in touch if somebody has a loved one or themselves that needs 
to check into you know what you provide how do they do so get on the road to recovery you can find us at www.abetterliferecovery.com you can find our mental health division at www.amfmtreatment.com you can reach us at 949-313-7444 can you say that one more time slowly to 949-313-7444 we have people available 24 hours a day to talk to anyone including if you're calling about a loved one so feel free to reach out if you think there's a problem there probably is good yeah. work man yeah. it's good Folks, work buddy. take take note of this please yeah. All right, so, so we're gonna move on uh, to our tip of the day, Rob. Okay. Well, this is just some random tip that you may or may not know uh, about. And if you're going to be driving or flying for an extended period of time, what you want to do is get compression socks. Now, my brother here, I got to tell you something weird about my brother, and we're going to tell the whole world. He doesn't like the feeling of socks on his calves, so he cuts them. He cuts like talk about you know like an addiction. He. Uh, he cuts these. So, he, so compression socks would be really bad for my brother, but it may sound silly, but wearing them will help with the swelling and improve circulation while traveling. And it's, and it's not really a laugh. My brother's laughing right now because I just outed him on his socks, but it's not really a laughing matter because you can get a blood clot that can turn into a lung embolism from sitting too long or flying too long or whatnot. So especially as you get older, compression socks may be the way to go. Or at so least don't cut your socks, man. When you're flying. Yeah. Otherwise you can. Okay. So now uh, it's, uh, Jeff, it's our true or false law. So we want you to weigh in on this. It's, you know, this is a, um, some of these are just plain crazy. So in Massachusetts, it's legal to tell fortunes without certification. What do you think? In Massachusetts, I would say no. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that it, uh, he's right because it's saying here that, uh, a fortune teller must live in Massachusetts for at least a year in order to apply for a certification. And, and the reason it helps, is it helps prohibit psychics from telling, taking all of your money in exchange for false predictions. They sense. like to protect uh, gullible people in Massachusetts, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. All right, it's time for our Mandel message box. Let's check the Mandel message box. George from Cyprus messaged us. I rarely travel, but I finally took a trip to see my family and the airline lost my luggage. And his compression socks were in there. <laughs> it just never Poor turned George. up. Yeah, the, the luggage never turned up. Yeah. Ever. Can I take legal action? This is very frustrating. My trip was practically ruined. Well, yeah, it's a common carrier. Yeah. And they're liable for moving your stuff. And of course, you'd have to prove the somehow prove the value of the clothing and whatnot that was in the luggage. I don't know how you do that. I think there's a limit, though, Rob. Is there a limit uh, on what you can get as a recovery? Maybe there may be a federal limit on that. Yeah. But anyway, uh, that's just a, a, a terrible thing. I've had that happen to me too, and I yeah, think they did too. find the luggage after like three or four days, and you're out there buying more clothes and stuff. It's mine, so frustrating. Mine ended up at a different airport. Oh, so yeah. I, it came back like three days later. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't use it at that point, obviously, for the trip. It was over. Yeah. So, well, uh, go ahead. How, how are we doing? Uh, 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 okay. So, uh, I did have one more uh, uh, question. question. Yeah. And 
do you do you find that there is any difference between the various addictions, you know, in terms of treatment, or are they all pretty much treated the, the same way? In other words, if you're addicted to alcohol or opiates or something else. I'm not a clinician, but I don't think the substance is relevant. Yeah. It's, it's all, the addiction. It's the addiction. Yeah. yeah. And you see, what's sad is I see kids now where their single greatest asset is their own addiction, and they sell it to unscrupulous treatment providers. And there, there's an, I do a whole show with you guys about some of the things I've seen in that arena. So, for instance? We have had people present themselves as opioid addicts in order to gain admission to our facility. And once they gain admission, solicit our clients by to transfer to another facility by offering them thousands of dollars of cash. That's so they crazy. will come in and put two, three, four thousand dollars of cash into an active heroin addict's pocket oh and hope that they transfer to the other facility. Worse, they will actually sometimes get the clients high oh. in order to qualify for a higher level of care once they transfer to the new facility. That's just wrong. That's deplorable. But right now, we got to wrap things up. So we do want to thank Jeff Robbins, founder of A Better Life Recovery Center, for coming down, spending your Saturday morning with us. So if you missed any part of this show or you want to listen to some of our archive shows, head on over to brothersonlaw.com or YouTube to find them. And we hope you tune in next Saturday morning at 8 a.m. If I could say that right here on Go Country 105. And remember, let the scales of justice tip in your favor. The opinions expressed in the Brothers on Law Show are for informational purposes only and are not a substitute for personal professional legal advice.